This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everyone, what is going on? How you doing? Welcome. Episode 293, Talk Buffalo Podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. Big thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download, support this podcast. It means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Uh, rate and review, all that fun stuff really helps me continue to grow this show. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. And coming up today, I'm going to have recurring guest, good friend of mine, Aaron Quinn. Aaron, of course, is co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast with Greg Thompson. I do an awesome job. And today we're going to have one of those 10 topic Tuesdays. I've selected 10 topics for us to hit on. Um, among those, we'll discuss what we think is the Buffalo Bills level of interest in free agent defensive end J.J. Watt. Uh, we'll discuss some upcoming Buffalo Bills roster moves. They're obviously going to have to make some cuts, move some money around to be able to do some stuff in free agency. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we'll try to determine who we think is the bigger Buffalo Bills re-signing priority, whether that's Matt Milano or Daryl Williams. We'll discuss that. Um, each of us will reveal one unrestricted free agent out there in a perfect world that we'd like to see the Buffalo Bills target. Um, beyond the Buffalo Bills, we'll talk some NFL. We'll talk about where we think Deshaun Watson may end up. We'll talk quarterback carousel. It's going to be such a crazy offseason when it comes to quarterbacks moving around. Um, we'll head on Jesse Bagula's success on the tennis court. Much more coming up with my man, Aaron Quinn. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Quick programming note, by the way. So, Friday's show is going to be a special one, at least for me anyway. It's our three-year anniversary episode of Talk of Buffalo Podcast. It's hard for me to, to believe it, man. But yeah, three years I've had this podcast going now, at least come Friday. And to celebrate that, I'm going to have one of my favorite guests that I've ever had on the podcast. In fact, he's only done the show once, but he's a good friend of mine. Very well-known, very well-respected not just in Buffalo, but all around football circles. I'm talking about Tyler Dunn. So he's going to join me on Friday. Really looking forward to that. Um, before we get into today's uh, chat with Aaron, I just want to let you know that, again, today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. So you guys know the deal with 26 Shirts. Uh, they roll out a new Buffalo theme design shirt every two weeks. And that campaign is tied into a specific charitable cause and they sell that shirt for 26 bucks. Now, here's the really cool part about what they do. Most of you already know this, but some of you may not. For every 
single shirt that they sell, a donation is made to that specific affiliated cause. Since they opened up their doors for business back in 2013, 26 shirts has now managed to raise and donate over a million bucks. One million dollars. Just unbelievable. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many deserving people and causes. It is awesome to see. And I say it all the time because this is important too. These are really outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty to wear. They look great on you. I have a bunch of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. All right. On that note, here it is. My chat with Cover One Buffalo podcast co-host, Aaron Quinn. Aaron Quinn, Cover One Buffalo. It's been a whole, what, a couple weeks now since I had you on the podcast. What's going on, man? In the blink, or I should say not the blink, in the bleak midwinter. How you doing? My uh, fragile whims are intact, holding up fine. Uh, I've missed you uh, doing the show with you here. Slow Things have slowed down substantially here uh, now that the Bills were eliminated and the NFL season's over here. We're only doing the one show a week, so pulling all the podcasts out, gear out to talk to you and do an extra show this week feels good, man. Yeah, for sure. Now, I screwed it up, but I, tr- I meant to say the bleak midwinter. I just binged all five seasons of uh, Peaky Blinders. Have you seen mm. that show? It's on Netflix. I would probably watched like four or five episodes in and didn't, it didn't get legs for me, but I've heard good things. It, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to review it, but because I'm still unpacking it, so much happens. That's the only thing. The only thing I'm going to say is so many things happen. And I also, the first time I went, I think it started like in 2013, that first aired season one, I think something like that. But anyway, I remember watching the first episode and that, that strong, thick accents were a little too much for me. And I kind of gave up on the show after maybe 20 minutes. This time I, I, I saw it through and it's crazy. I mean, if you like Sons of Anarchy, that kind of thing, this show is, uh, is definitely good. But anyway, that's where that phrase came from. But speaking of winter, man, I know it's cold up in Buffalo, but it's funny because if we have a, a conversation, an episode that starts out with a conversation about weather, I'd have guessed it's a Buffalo blizzard or some kind of Florida tropical storm, but nope, man, you got some crazy snowstorms going on in like Texas and Louisiana states of emergencies there, which, you know, it's perfectly on par with, uh, this time in history and all the shit we've been going through for the last year or so. So why not? Why not just have a uh, blizzard conditions and state of emergencies with snow in Texas and Louisiana, ain't it right on par with everything else? Yeah, dude. Wild. Uh, I feel like every couple of years though, something like this pops up some weird weather anomaly that we are not used to. And uh, I do wish that everyone, I'm sure you have a bunch of listeners out there. I hope everybody stays safe because those can, you see the videos, man. And that's scary. If you've ever been in a vehicle in the snow that you lose control over, uh, it's scary. Sure. So even if it's at a slow speed, so I hope everybody's safe out there um, and can, there's some people that can handle those conditions uh, and still be able to get around in them. Yeah, that's the thing. I got a buddy in Texas right now who it's snowing. And my first thought was, well, what the hell are you worried about, man? You're from New York. You're, you're not a driving snow. But the thing is, no one else does. Right. Nobody's used to driving down there. 
There's no snow tires. There's no, you know, in Buffalo, when it snows out, you're in Tonawanda. If it snows out there, usually within a couple hours that it's going to get plowed and cleaned up. Totally. They don't have those plows in places like Texas. No. So that just stays there. On the roads, like. Yeah, no to get rid salt, of the ice, no especially plows. in some of the main streets. Uh, that is one thing people, I think, in the Northeast take for granted, although it costs a ton of money to your local municipality, is the snow removal and stuff, especially in a place like Buffalo. Like Originally, I'm from Maine. You're lucky if like the major cities and towns, roads get plowed, but they're not plowing out every single street out in rural Maine. And, uh, so living more into the city where every road, by the time, like I'm up with my kids and getting going anywhere, the roads are all plowed everywhere you go and salted and Sheridan drives clear the, you know, Niagara Falls Boulevard's totally clear. Like you could get around really easy, almost in any weather. Uh, Texas doesn't have that ability anywhere really South of the Mason Dixon doesn't have that ability to remove snow from their city. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I mean, it snows near you in. Maybe at that moment, it might be dangerous, but you know, within a couple hours, it's going to get cleaned up and that's definitely not the case. So anyway, I agree with your sentiments, thoughts and prayers, everyone down there. Stay safe. All right. So before we get into the 10 topic on shows real quick, did you watch the Mandalorian? I have not. Okay. That's not my kind of show. That's, that's not my kind of thing. I'm not a, that's a star. That's related to Star Wars, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm you know what? I don't know why I can't really, I don't, I can't give you a, a solid explanation why, but even dating back to being a kid, I saw Star Wars when it came out and I think, what was it? The Empire Strikes Back was the sequel, the original. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I saw those two things and then I never watched another one of those really? ever again. Wait, yeah. That's crazy to me. Cause you are, you feel like such an eighties kid and every other thing that you wouldn't, I, am. I feel like that's such an eighties kid thing. And it just yeah, it's there, hard huh? to explain. Yeah. Star Trek too. Star Trek was another thing I never got into. And since you want to talk about 80s, for some reason, Indiana Jones. I never watched any of the Indiana Jones. And wasn't there a handful of those? In the in fact, I know at least one or two of them were in the 80s with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Never got into those either. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of th- I've heard a lot of people talk about the Mandalorian, though. Yeah, I am in the middle of watching it, and I figured it would be something you watch just because of the popularity of it. You definitely don't have to be a Star Wars fan. I'm not. I like the Star Wars stuff. I'm not a big fan uh, by any means, uh, but you don't have to be. Uh, but anyways, I was gonna. The, the hype is not there to match. You watch it if you want. I think it's probably worth a watch. It's entertaining enough. But the way people are talking about it on Twitter, they're crazy. People have some crazy uh, where they rank TV shows. I've had some pretty good luck, at least. Well, you know how it is with TV shows and music and everything else. It's it's subjective. You know, totally. one man's trash is another person's treasure. I think I've had some pretty good luck because there's not a lot of shows that I've watched over the last couple of years that I really uh, didn't like. The only show that I did not like is, um, there was two seasons of it so far. And again, it's a popular show, but Secession on HBO. I, I hated like that it, show. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't like that at all, but I like Peaky Blinders. Um, again, I talked about Shit's Creek endlessly on this podcast. I watched it for the first time this past year. Yes, a lot of good stuff. Um, a little something for everybody. But anyway, yeah, 10 Topic Tuesday. I haven't done one of these in a while. Quite simple. I'm just going to have 10 topics and I'm going to get your thoughts and uh, maybe a little back and forth on each. Mostly these are Buffalo Bills related. A couple NFL things as well. Uh, let's start with J.J. Watt. Right off the bat, everybody knows he's a free agent right now. As we're taping this deep into Monday night, he has not signed anywhere. Uh, what's first and foremost, what's your level, personal level of interest 
in the Bills signing J.J. Watt? Um, I, I'm into it. I'm not like I'm not on a J.J. Watt watch on Twitter. I can't put my phone down. Um, it's a pretty cool feeling. For so I, did, I was trying to explain this to my wife for so many years. These types of names would pop up this time of year. To you know, a guy gets cut from a team and he's probably got some production left, but he's probably looking to catch on with a Super Bowl contender. And the Bills were just once you heard that from an ESPN talking head or somebody, you just knew that there's no way your team's getting this player. Now, when they do that and they say that, there's a very good chance that our team is going to be one of those three, four teams that free agents are considering is a place to catch on for a Super Bowl championship. So that alone is making me probably like J.J. Watt more than I should or otherwise would care. Uh, I, I don't think he's the player necessarily that he was. I think he can probably add something the Bills don't currently have. And I think he'll do it for cheaper than a talent like him otherwise would to chase a title in a place like Buffalo, or I think where he's going is probably Green Bay. Uh, yeah. Uh, my interest in him is pretty high. I, I still think he's good, and I'm not a Houston Texans expert. I didn't watch a lot of films on him. I just sure. read like everybody else about him. I did see a stat that saw it said read that he was the most double-team defensive end in the NFL this year. Um, yeah. I don't know where I read it, but I did read it somewhere. In fact, I read it today on Monday. I should have wrote it down. I don't know who, who uh, where I got it from. That happens to me all the time. But I read that. <laughs> I don't know. But here's the thing, and I agree with you because the Super Bowl contender thing, which is, I don't know, man. My mind's just not used to the Bills being a Super Bowl contender. Usually, that kind of says, well, I ain't going to Buffalo. Now it's like that's the biggest reason for him to come to Buffalo because of the other teams. And you mentioned one of them, Green Bay. Um, a lot of people know he's from Wisconsin. He grew up a Green Bay fan. They're a Super Bowl contender. Certainly makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And then you got uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And somebody asked me, one of my buddies asked me, he says, well, where do you think he's going to go? And I said, well, think about it this way. Aaron, when you were a kid, man, didn't you dream of playing in the NFL? I know I did. Most kids do, right? Right, right. At some point, all right, well, we grow up, we dream of playing in the NFL. Now imagine that you have two brothers in your house and you all have those same dreams and you got two brothers who were in the NFL and not only are they in the NFL, but they're on the same team. I mean, if you had that opportunity at what, 32 years old, he's not washed up. He's certainly not, you know, the same player he was four or five years ago either. Sure. Right. He's not washed up and Pittsburgh, I would consider them maybe a fringe contender. I mean, Kansas City and Buffalo, I think right now are the class of the AFC. Uh, you got Baltimore, you got Indy, Cleveland, but Pittsburgh's not like, I, don't, I mean, it's not like they're expected to be a 5-1 team. They got some talent. They were, what did they, 11-0 at one point or 9-0, something like that earlier this year right. before they fell apart. I mean, you could sell them, I should say, you know, you could at least sell them as being a, a borderline contender. So that aside, and they got cap issues, just like a lot of teams do, but don't you think that having an opportunity to play in the NFL near the end of your career on the same team with both your brothers means a lot? It must mean a lot in terms of, like I saw, I think it was Bet Online in Vegas, had Pittsburgh as a favorite, which by the way, Buffalo is now the second favorite after Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh is the betting favorite. But do you kind of get that vibe? Like if it was you, like what would you do? If you had an opportunity to play with both of your brothers, that doesn't happen very often. Don't you think that's something you would highly consider? 
it's definitely something that they're talking about for sure. Um, it's tough to say. I I get along pretty well with my brother now, uh, but I can see a scenario where I would rather play against him um, and that I would heavily weigh still the ability to win a Super Bowl ring. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl. And I agree with you that like playing with your brother is a situation that's really rare and that maybe Pittsburgh can be one of those teams. Like if they get some things go their ways, if they figure out a few things on the offensive side of the ball, they can be the team that they, you know, the paper tiger they were last year instead of being that paper tiger, they could be a legit contender. I agree with you though. I don't, I don't think when you look at the AFC and you say, who's going to be representing the AFC in Super Bowl next year. I don't think anyone right now is thinking Pittsburgh. I don't think JJ Watt puts them over the top uh, in any category. They're already good on defense. Defense wasn't their issue. Rushing the passer is one of the things they were the best at in the NFL. I don't think they're an improvement of rushing the passer is going to move the needle in any big way for Pittsburgh. They have problems on the offensive side of the ball. So I, there's got to be some, we're going to find out what weighs more to him. If both the teams like the bills and the Steelers are in on JJ Watt, with some serious contention we're gonna see what matters more to him i think i I don't think anyone can honestly look at today where the bills and Steelers are as organizations just right now going into next season and think that the steelers are more legit contenders for the super bowl what about ego do you think that might play a role and what by that i mean and this would work against pittsburgh maybe he doesn't want to go to a team where he's not even the best pass rusher on his defensive line could be he's not even the best pass rusher in his family you know he'd be kind of in a way playing a little bit of complimentary role slash second fiddle to his own brother. Maybe that ends up working against him. Conversely with Buffalo, if JJ Watt signs today, and I, I get where you're going and I agree with you largely that it's more name than talent at this point. But I, again, I still think he has something left to offer. And I certainly think he's better than at worst Mario Addison or Quentin Jefferson or AJ Epinesa coming off the edge. So if he were to sign with Buffalo, and then we'll move on, because again, I got a lot of stuff to get to here, but if the Bills were to sign him, how much do you think he improves that defensive line? I think, I'm trying not to sound like a homer here, but I I do think out of the teams interested in Watt, I think if he goes to Buffalo, the improvement that he brings to a team is probably the greatest in Buffalo, in my opinion, because of what they need, the need they have how he could fill that, even really in a part-time role. I think you could have a rotation with Watt and Epinesa uh, that could you know, really work for, for next season, maybe even the next two seasons uh, as he finishes out his career. I think he, I agree with you that he has enough left to have an impact on a football game, and he doesn't have to be a guy that totally dominates because if, if you figure out the one technique, I think Ed Oliver's still going to draw a lot of those do- double teams. You're going to have to really pick your poison there. So I think he fills a piece for Buffalo that maybe I'm just not looking into those teams enough, but I don't know that he the type of improvement that those teams would get from a J.J. Watt would be as valuable as it is to this particular Buffalo Bills team. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think at the end of the day, I think Pittsburgh's the betting favorite. Yeah. I think I think Buffalo's the best football fit. I think he, I agree. I think him going to Buffalo, if I'm J.J. Watt and I'm purely thinking football, what my role could be, what my significance to the defense could be, and my opportunity to win a Super a Bowl. A good organization, a stable organization right now. Absolutely. I think it's a great football fit for him and a culture fit for him. So, yeah. 
If that makes us homers, then so be it. Now, that said, at the end of the day, I do agree with you. I think Green Bay also makes football sense. And again, it's where he's from. He's a fan. He grew up a fan. So I'm sure that'll play some role, maybe, in his decision. They can make it work. And but he, he still team. won't be the best pass rusher on his team. No, he won't. If he goes he to won't. Green Bay. So, so again, if Ego, if he still considers himself, you know, if his one of his inner demands is that I want to be the man on this defense, this front seven, Buffalo could be the move and Green Bay wouldn't. We'll see what happens. But uh, moving on to the next topic. Now, that's something that the Bills don't really have that much control over. Surely they have interest. They're probably, for all we know, they've made an offer. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't yet. But one thing the Bills do have more control over is reciting their own guys before they become free agents. And when it comes to two guys in particular, I wanted to ask you this. So there's the next topic. Who do you think the Bills' bigger priority is amongst the two? Matt Milano or Daryl Williams? And let's go on the assumption. Now, it very well could happen that they sign neither guy. Maybe they're able to somehow sign both guys. But let's work under the assumption that they're only going to be able to retain one. Who do you think is the bigger priority amongst them two and why? I am still in the camp that Milano is more of a priority to this team. And it's a couple of reasons. One, I think that he, I don't believe in linebacker wins. Like a lot of stats are going around that the team was undefeated with Milano uh, playing. You could have done a lot of undefeateds this year. I think they were also undefeated with Levi Wallace uh, this year because they won a lot of games. And so you, sure. you could have really played that out with a lot of guys. Uh, but I do think Milano, you, you can see it. It just shows up the way the defense plays, even as good as Klein had gotten towards the end of his run here this season. When Milano came back and as he got healthy, things just went way different for this defense. He's a, a special kind of guy that fits really well with this defense. And I know people think you can just, you found Matt Milano in the fifth, you can probably find another guy uh, that has athleticism like him. But he has a, a pretty special mix of athleticism and traits he was a former safety converted linebacker he is big enough to play that position he moves really well uh to find another guy like people are looking at some bigger cornerbacks or some really small linebackers or possibly it's not everybody can just make that conversion seamlessly it it happens in the nfl and i trust that the bills if they pinpoint a guy in the draft that they think can be that role i think they have the, the coaches here to develop that but I don't think that you just move on from Matt Milano. And no matter what you do, even if you draft the guy, I don't know that he comes in for the first eight weeks of your next Super Bowl run campaign and plays to the productive level that Matt Milano was. I think that's a hard thing to find. Whereas at the right tackle position, I did love what Daryl Williams did this year. I just I do think you could probably find somebody at 30 that you could come in. And you might not get to the level of production, but I think that that gap is smaller between some of these top right ta- ta- tackle prospects in the draft or even guys that you might be able to get off the street whatever next year's daryl williams versus i think that gap is smaller versus whoever you're going to bring in really to replace matt milano that's either going to be a lot cheaper and you're going to save a lot of money or is a draft pick and you don't have to use those types of assets and, and can get a new rookie in there for milano either guy we're talking about though here we're going to get a nice comp pick so if, if they don't bring them both back you're going to get draft picks if you bring only one of them back, you're going to get at least a pick uh, when they leave. So you and I are talking about these topics. I don't know what you're going to say. So I'm kind of listening and finding out in real time, just like the listener is. 
I thought that I was the only one aside from Joby at the athletic that was high enough on Milano to prefer him over Daryl Williams. Most of the people I've talked to or read, they prefer of the two Daryl Williams. Now, Joe went in an article that he wrote recently for the athletic. He, he says that he would even franchise tag Matt Milano. And as I thought about that and expanded on it, it makes sense. It might even make more sense than signing him to a long-term deal right now because of one reason. So Tremaine Edmonds is definitely going to get his fifth-year option, right? But if you right. sign Milano for one year right now, that buys you another full year of seeing not only, you know, if you want certain things out of him, you want to see him play a full 16 games and be dominant. We've seen flashes of that from Milano. But also, you want to see Tremaine Edmonds for another year and see if he's going to be worth that big money that'll be coming up for him in two years. So that kind of gives you, put it this way, it would be tough when you have a quarterback that hasn't been paid yet, because Josh is going to get paid. You have one of the best receivers in the NFL who, frankly, is underpaid. Maybe his contract's not an issue this year, but if Stephon Diggs plays anything this year like he did last year, the following season, he's going to get a raise, as he should. So you're paying these guys. You got some other younger guys. You already got Trey White. Are you going to be able to afford to pay two linebackers a lot of long-term money? That could be an issue. What do you think about that? I don't like franchise tags. I don't think that Brandon Bean does either. Um, we haven't really had... He hasn't used one yet. Yeah, I was going to say, there hasn't been one in a while. No, there hasn't, but there there. hasn't been really anybody that was borderline, like you were really scared was going to leave this team, right? Like we haven't had that in his his run of GM here with the bill. So this is really going to be his first test on that. Uh, I, I don't think he will. He said in the press conference that he wanted Milano or that Milano had earned the right to see what his value is in the NFL. To me, that was telling, I think, Brandon Bean's a pretty honest guy when he talks with the media, I think, as much as he can be. And to me, that almost felt like maybe that he's testing the NFL's bluff or or bluffing, you know, Milano. Is it like, go ahead, see what your value is? Because I don't think it is what maybe you think it is in in, in that I think Milano's going to hit the market and there's a lot of value for who he can potentially be. But I think teams are going to try to use his injury history against him. I do. I, I think every team's going to try to get as much value out of this as they can. Most teams are in a tough position, uh, you know, with the bills here, with the the salary cap decreasing. So I think teams are going to try to take advantage of that situation. I don't think his market's going to be quite exactly what he thinks it is, or what maybe it should be. Uh, and I think the bills are going to be able to offer something reasonably competitive to keep him, even if it's a two year deal, and allow him to test again in a couple of years. You still get to do that evaluation you talked about. But I think he's going to be able to do maybe a two-year deal here that's a little less than people were expecting because of some of the injuries. Uh, and that, you know, he weighs the options of the the teams that would pay maybe pay him slightly more with the same similar size deal and just decides, you know what, probably best to ride it out here and see what happens in two years of free agency and take the money he can get. I don't like the idea of the franchise tag. I get it. It totally makes sense on paper. The way you described it love the way something like that works out. I just think it sets a precedent that being might not want to be the culture of the bills that like, if we can't come up with something, we're going to tag you unless they were working on a deal behind the scenes. I don't like the tagging just to 
to keep him here another year on that tag. I, I, I don't mind the tag if it is working towards something longer. That's fair. That's reasonable. I would say this too. Best case scenario obviously would be what you laid out where the Bills could pick him up and maybe resign him for like two years and then he could hit the market again. That would be best case scenario. Right. Um, it would take yeah, a lot of things to go here, right. <laughs> yeah, you are being an optimist. I agree with you. Of the two, I do think Matt Milano is my bigger priority. And the simple reason is this. I mean, you don't, you guys are all film experts. I like to mess around and, and talk shit about Eric, just joking around, of course. But, you know, the film guru is over at Cover One. You guys are very analytical, watch a lot of film and break stuff down that way. Here's my point. You could be a dummy like me and see that the Bills defense was significantly better when Matt Milano was in the lineup than when he wasn't. Now, Daryl Williams is more replaceable on that line, whether it would have been uh, Ty Insecki, Bates, someone like that. I think you would have saw less of a drop-off with the offense than you see with Matt Milano when he's not in the game. So my, my preference, like yours, is Milano. That said, I think what could and what should happen are two different things. I think the Bills are more likely to re-sign Darrell Williams than I do Matt Milano. Now, I would rather, of the two, and let me make this known too, I want them both back. I'm sure you do as well. And in a normal year, this wouldn't be an issue. Were it not for COVID, this cap would probably be $25 million higher this year than it's going to be. And we wouldn't even be having this kind of discussion because I'm sure the Bills would be uh, looking to re-sign them both for sure. But, Darrell, I, I would much rather get a, maybe even dra- as high as maybe even the first round pick, draft a right tackle and develop him and maybe bring back a guy like Inseki to play for a year if you have to lose Daryl Williams. Um, Milano, I agree with you that it could happen, but what concerns me is there's such a discrepancy this year between the teams that have cap room and the teams that don't. I've never seen a list where the top six, seven teams have so much more cap room than say the bottom third of the league right now. And when you look at the teams that have the most cap room, some of them are teams that are very familiar with Matt Milano. The Jets are third in the NFL in cap room. The Patriots are fourth in the NFL in cap room. And Miami is like seventh or eighth in the NFL in cap room. Those are your three divisional rivals. Um, Yeah, the Jets got 68 million, man. Wow. Patriots got 62. Dolphins got 26. One of those three teams might overpay. You know, and then you got the Colts, you got the Jags are up there, a ton of money. Washington's got a good defense too. So I don't know. I don't think that the Bills are going to be able to, I, somebody is going to pay him. I don't think there's going to be a huge market. Like there's not going to be a lot of bidders, but you know this, it only takes one team. And I'm afraid that, uh, I'm afraid it's going to happen because I want to tag, I would tag Milano despite what you said. And I get why with the culture stuff, but I don't think it's going to matter because I think you're right. I don't think Bean is going to tag him. And I think Milano's going to be gone. I would say 50-50 on Daryl Williams and maybe 35% at best for Milano. That's that's my guess. Yeah, so I think you've got to have sort of what the Belichick model in that is that if you're if another team, if the Jets are going to come along and overpay him to play for them, I think fine. He's going to be tough to replace, but he's not a superstar in the NFL. Like you can... The Bills can continue on without Milano. Like they could, I think Sean McDermott, and Leslie Frazier can figure out something. Uh, they got AJ Klein to an acceptable level, you know, over a few games and a sure. blind here this year. So I think they'll be able to do something at that position. I just, I do think the drop off's bigger than for right tackle. 
especially just with what I've seen of the draft. Uh, I haven't really gotten too deep into that. But but what I've seen, I think it's probably easier to replace uh, a right tackle. But yeah, if a team wants to go and overpay Milano, I think you do what Bill Belichick did for years and allow his players to go get money elsewhere. And that's on Milano. I don't look at any of those situations, though, and think as somebody that's playing football in their prime, if the money's even kind of close, like I would stay with Buffalo for the chance to win a Super Bowl. I, I don't think you go to the Jets and within this time span of Matt Milano's career, I don't think they're going to turn things around quick enough to be Super Bowl contenders. I just don't. Uh, and a lot of the teams that I think that he has potential to go to would be like that. You mentioned Indy. Like if you, kudos to him. If he can get paid and go to a team that's probably going to be a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender, go for it. I, I don't blame you, but... I think he's got a his best position is in Buffalo. I think Bob Babich, the linebackers coach, doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with Matt Milano uh, and, and what he's doing with Tremaine Edmonds. I think the defense is friendly for both those athletic linebackers. I don't know that he goes to any, every defense in the league and is the type of contributor he is here in Buffalo. I think his best chance of success is with the Buffalo Bills is ultimately, I think, what I'm rambling to try to say. No, you're, I agree with you 100%. And one other thing, too, and we'll, we'll move on, is, and I kind of hit on this, and so did you. If they do lose Milano, if they do lose Williams, they'll get draft picks for those guys. Those guys are right. definitely going to fetch compensatory picks, which the Bills have not had in quite a while because the Bills have been doing a lot more signing than losing. That's probably not going to be the case this year, especially if they lose both those guys. And again, Josh Allen's got maybe one more year left. Then he's going to get a huge deal. Stephon Diggs is going to get a raise. You already got Tredavious White, one of the higher paid corners in the NFL. So you got a lot of guys that you're going to, you already are getting paid or going to get paid. You're going to want as many good rookie picks as you can get because you're going to have a lot of rookies in the next couple of years uh, helping to fill out that roster. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's Brandon Bean's got a lot of tough decisions because conversely, you also don't want to lose quality veterans because you are a legitimate Super Bowl contender in win mode right now. So that makes it tough. Now, another thing, moving on to the next topic, which is semi-related, it's going to be some Bills movement because as of right now, they're in terrible cap shape. They got to get under the cap. They got to make some moves. Um, Some of them are pretty obvious, I think, anyway. Uh, Vernon Butler, I I, I think, is uh, going to be gone. Um, they could save 6.8 by cutting him. I think that's also a football move as much as a financial move there. Uh, Lee Smith, Likely to retire, but even if not, they could save two and a half or two point two five million by cutting him. John Brown, I hate losing him, but seven point nine million, given all the stuff we're already been talking about and will hit on, it's a lot of money to save. So for that reason, cap reasons exclusively, I think he's gonna be gone too. Who am I missing? Like what are some things that you see happening right now for the Bills to uh to get under this cap? Now some will be cuts. Maybe a couple guys will be restructured. Like, do you suspect that you're going to see over the next couple of weeks a lot of uh, a lot of releases, a lot a lot of movement? Uh, I think we'll see some movement. I think we will see as many restructures. I think as Brandon Bean can work out with agents. I think anywhere he can get a deal, if it's like a Mitch Morse thing where they can give him yeah. a little money and pad up that cap a little bit uh there's tricks that they can do we just saw the packers do it with david bakhtiari they changed his contract yeah they could take mitch's morses they could take more i i read that they could take morses like for an example for everyone listening you could take mitch morse's salary for next year 
his base salary and convert that into a signing bonus, which could save you a couple of millions. And that's just in one restructure. I've also heard if they keep him, Mario Addison would be a good uh, restructuring candidate as well. Addison could be another possible restructuring candidate. Yeah, so I think there's opportunities. I think we'll see. I mean, there's some possibilities to be able to get some of the Josh Allen deals done and maybe even something for Stefan Diggs. I don't see it this year, but kind of conversations where you can get those deals done long-term and not really upset how things are. We saw it with Trey White, right? They just included that fifth-year option and didn't really upset the next two years of deals. And then you, you have Josh Allen uh, in a happy long-term contract. So I could see something like that coming through at some point here this spring. Um, there's been rumblings of the Bills moving on from Mitch Morris. I hate that. I hope that's not a thing that happens. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is either. I usually don't like creating holes to save cap uh, s- scenarios. Um, I can see it with, like you said, with Jefferson. I don't like it with Brown. I will say, I think that's another guy that you either try to do some type of restructure or something. I don't want to lose the plethora of weapons that they had in that passing game. I don't want to lose anyone uh, more than they already are. So uh, I, I, I'd like to see that unit return and then have a, another year of Gabe Davis before I, I make that move to get rid of him. But I do think there's going to be news coming down mostly of probably um, at least wishfully thinking more restructuring type things, getting deals to save the team a little bit of money now versus outright cuts and moving on from guys. And none of the names I think that are going to get moved on from, I think will be surprises. I think Bill's fans are pretty, that list you gave, I think people are pretty much on par with pretty much everything you're saying. I would consider Morris a surprise, even though it's been rumored, uh, I think mainly rumored amongst fans, to be honest with you. I'd be surprised if Morris has moved on from, I think, well, I think Butler's a lock. I hit on him. I think he's going to get cut. Mainly money. I mean, he's getting paid a lot. And frankly, I don't really think he played well this year. And Star will be back next year. And it's easy to move on, saving nearly seven. I don't want to lose John Brown either, for the record. But, they got to sign him. They got to re-sign him to an extension where his cap will be friendly for maybe two years and he gets more money up front. And then when he gets cut in a year or two, you know, they can spread that around. Because there's no room to restructure him because he's in the final year of his contract. True. I just can't see him him getting paid $9 million this year. I just, not with all the stuff that they got going on. I could see an extension for him though. Like, where is it? This is another guy who is getting towards the end of his career. Where's John Brown yeah. going? His stock's lower than it's ever been after a, a pretty kind of weird year injury-wise, and I'm not sure how well the Bills managed him uh, here this season. I don't know if they could have done anything differently or not. His stock's lower than it's ever been, in my opinion. Where if he gets cut, I don't, he's just going to end up on some team. I don't think he's going to end up in a situation as good as what he has here in Buffalo. And I think a healthy John Brown adds even more potency to this offense. Everyone's looking for a tight end. And I know Bean had mentioned tight end and that's like the hot thing, but I don't want to lose John Brown just to get a tight end that the bills aren't going to utilize. Like I want more wide receivers. Josh Allen's still going to primarily target wide receivers. And we saw what a threat it is when one of those guys is down, when Cole Beasley gets hurt. Like, so what happens when you roll out next year with Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley and Gabe Davis and Davis goes down? Who's there? Are you relying on another Gabe Davis to come out of nowhere or Hodgkins? Is he going to kind of come out of nowhere? I'd rather have more guys. And I, I get the money thing, but 
you got to keep this offense together as long as you can uh, and find ways to trim the fat on other spots, in my opinion. Well, we're really seeing the difference just from this conversation between this offseason and the last couple offseasons before this, because this is now four guys that we've named specifically that for football reasons, we don't want to lose. You don't want to lose Matt Milano. You don't want to lose Darrell Williams. You don't want to lose Mitch Morris. You don't want to lose John Brown. But all or some of them can and probably, yeah, you can't keep them all. Um, But yeah, another guy too, um, Tyler Matekovich. They're going to save $3.3 million. He's definitely going to get cut. Good special teams player, which by the way, it's not really a topic I have specifically per se, but special teams is going to be affected with this cap because I think, again, I think Matekovich is going to be gone. Uh, Taiwan Jones and Andre Roberts are both free agents. Then, you know, somebody else might pay Andre Roberts. I, I, I don't want Maybe. him gone for football reasons. I want him back, but, you know, the Bills are probably not going to be willing to pay him a lot because, again, what we keep coming back to. They're not in good cap shape and they got a lot of shit that they got to get done. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's got a huge market uh, in free agency. Again, not huge. there's going to be some teams with cap to spend, but I, it's going down for everybody. And so I, I could see that impacting your guys that are outside of their rookie deals that are only special teams contributors. I think those guys, you could see teams really trying to squeeze out deals from the Mancaviches and, and people like that. You're, you know, Taiwan Joneses of the world that really play an insignificant amount of snaps, snaps, but are good enough at their job to stay, have a roster spot that they call them a running back, but they're really just as bad. They should never see the ball as a running back type of yeah. players. I think you could see them getting deals that are more team friendly than they are player friendly here in this next wave of contracts. So I think they'll be able to, keep Andre Roberts around. I really do. Um, yeah. Matekovic is going to be gone. I mean, three, for sure. But for, I think you, Sarah Neal's taken that role of what they kind of brought him to be. Sarah Neal had a huge year in special teams. And so I think yeah. if he steps up as a leader, then you continue to draft guys and they kind of show him the ropes of what it means to be a good special team. I think they've got a good enough core of young guys that they've drafted or on rookie deals that can be their core special teams guys going forward. One other thing about, potential guys who could be gone or restructured. And I'm going to kind of frame this into a question for you. I didn't mention Qu- Quentin Jefferson. They, the bills could save 8 million by cutting him with no dead cap hit at all. So I already mentioned Addison. So Addison 6.1 Jefferson's 8.0 and Butler's 6.8 million. If you add those up, that's uh 14, 22, roughly 22, $23 million in the defensive line that the Bills could wipe the slate with them, get rid of them all, and that's what they would save. Here's my question. Cap issues are part of the reason, but the guys I just mentioned, I mean, I've said this twice now, and this will be a third time. I don't think Vernon Butler was very good last year. I think Addison was all right. He wasn't the guy who was in Carolina the three years before that where he had nine sacks or mortals last three years. And Quentin Jefferson, eh, okay, decent. Is this a little bit of a... And God forbid, I know in, in this podcast or any Bills Mafia talk, anyone ever says anything negative about Brandon Bean, but those are three guys that the Bills signed literally just one off season ago. And right now there's discussion that one, two, or even three of them could be gone at all after just one season. Is that a little bit of a nick on Brandon Bean's track record to you? Or is this just all about economics right now to you? Yeah, I don't know. I think... 
they probably didn't feel like they had the contributions that maybe we expected when they signed. This was a weird year for the Bills defense, I will say. I think it took a while for that front seven to get going this year. And I think even on the back end, that they suffered a little bit from that. You saw guys like uh, Taron Johnson and Levi Wallace really getting picked on. And I think it was a product of lack of pass rush and the front seven not really playing well, uh, kind of hurting the defensive backs. Then you did see that unit start to play well, and it was a good rotation. So I think there was some productivity there that I, I don't think you can say it was a total miss. I mean, they they were productive players that were on a defense that finished top 10 in DVOA uh, for the season. And that this was a you know team that was in the AFC championship game. So I don't think it was a total fail that you brought in starters on your roster that were part of the best year in franchise history over the last 26 years. I, I, so it's not going to be a total fail of a pick or of a signing for Bean, but I do think one thing I, I'm interested to see is, does he know when it's time to move on from a guy? Because you look at Trent Murphy, a guy that I pounded the table for a number of times on Twitter. I think that's probably Brandon Bean's biggest failure so far that we can really like just sit and laugh at him for the type sure. of deal that he gave and ended up hanging on to Murphy. Uh, and then him ended up being not even a guy that, I mean, he had a big role in that Ravens game, but outside of that, that was about all he contributed to the season. He got paid a lot of money uh, to do what he did in that Ravens game for whatever it was, three tackles. Uh, that, that's a lot of money to make for that. So I think that's one you could point to. I don't know that any of these three guys particularly I'd be able to point to and really say, oh, he, he screwed up big here. Yeah, I'll tell you what, in regards to Murphy, you could also make a very fair point. And it's easy to be an armchair quarterback after the fact. I said this on my show last week, but had the Bills gotten rid of Murphy before the season, they could have rolled over that cap room to this year. And all, almost certainly they would at least have one or two between Milano and uh, Darrell Williams. But that's the way it goes. Sure. Brandon Bean's hit a lot more than he missed. But yeah, the Trent Murphy and maybe the trading of Wyatt Teller, although it was hard to tell what he was going to become. Who knows? You know, yeah, Cleveland, both of those are tough. Those are like butterfly effects. Right. Again, scenarios. you can take 32 GMs. Yeah, yeah. Any GM in the history of football, you could, if you try hard enough, uh, you'll be able to pick them apart. A lot more. Yeah, and I think the, the Murphy thing, again, I, if, I think if you could, if Brandon Bean could go back in time, he'd redo it totally different. But going into the season with a yeah, rookie. But it, if he could go back to September, I don't know that he would. And I don't know that I would for the record. I want to throw that out there too. Because guess what? You're trying, you have a team that you think can contend for a Super Bowl and, and Jerry did. Hughes or Mario Addison goes out and breaks their leg in week three. You got right. a quality veteran. So he was, if nothing else, he was insurance on a team that was a contender. So it's really hard to criticize somebody for saying my football team for 2020 is better with Trent Murphy than it is without him. You know, so it's easy to say in hindsight, put that money towards uh, next year. But anyway, the defensive line as a whole, just completely, it underwhelmed me, to be honest with you. But, I mean, we'll move on from that. We could have an entire podcast episode. In fact, maybe we will down the road, just talking about nothing else besides the defensive line, which kind of leads into my next topic here, at least for me. Maybe it does it for you, but let's pretend, you know, whatever they do with Williams, not pretend, whatever they do with Milano, or whatever they do with Williams aside, whoever they move around, whether it's cutting, restructuring, whatever have you, you're Brandon Bean. And you have the ability right now within semi reason to go out and sign any one unrestricted free agent out there 
that you really want on this team that you really think is going to help get them over the hump? Who's that one unrestricted free agent right now that you want to sign? I think it weighs. You can have any of them. Yeah, I think right now for me, right now at this point, I'm going to go with Richard Sherman. You bring Richard Sherman in on like a two-year deal to chase a title is a good move that I think improves that cornerback to that. I think it's, he's the guy they've been looking for when they got Vontae Davis. He's the guy they've been looking for when they brought in Josh Norman. I think that Richard Sherman can fill the role they've been looking for as a, a steady veteran on the other side of Trey white that I don't think Levi makes a lot of mistakes. I, I think he is a limited uh, person that can be a liability at times. Um, but I, I think Richard Sherman's a huge upgrade. Uh, for them, or at least right now, short term, while they're on the Super Bowl run over the next couple of years. So I think it, I lean towards the other guy I'd maybe go with is James White. I think that that type of versatility really, as a third down back, could end a lot of the conversation we're talking about with running back, assuming they continue to fix the offensive line moving forward. But Richard Sherman's my guy, I think, right now in free agency. Yeah, Sherman would be a good one for sure. Levi Wallace is shaky. I like Dane Jackson a little bit, though. At least I, I think he has some potential. But anyway, I'm going to go with what I just said. We could just have an entire podcast in the future about the defensive line. Got to improve the pass rush. And if they don't get J.J. Watt, I'd, we talked about him last year, I'm sure. Jadavian Cloudy is a guy that I'd really like. Now, I would say Shaq Barrett, but there's no way in hell he's not going to end up back with Tampa. Um, Melvin Ingram is another guy. But and you kind of hit on the position, at least. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw a sleeper out here. And this might piss some people off because we're talking about re-signing a right tackle, a linebacker, improving the offensive line. Got a lot of work to do on the defensive line, especially if a couple of those guys walk. Aaron Jones from Green Bay is a running back that I think is worth spending some money on. He'd be a huge upgrade. I can't tell you how down I am on Devin Singletary. I'm just... A year ago, I loved the guy, and now I'm just uh, I'm ready to move on from him already. Aaron Jones would be a great running back in this offense. And if you don't want to spend that much money, um, his teammate, Jamal Williams from Green Bay, I'd like him as well. Now, I don't know if I would that would be my number one guy, Jamal Williams. But I'm telling you, dude, I'm telling you in February, the Bills are going to do something significant at running back. They're not going into the season with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I'll be, I'm willing to bet you on that. I, that's tough for me. I don't think they're as concerned about that. I think they're going to keep Singletary and Moss. I think they're going to add to the room. Definitely. I'm not sure if they're going to, but do like that. what, what do you mean by that? Like, like your next, the next TJ Yeldon. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I think James White is a good uh, guy to bring in for running back three. I think that maybe, in the draft round four or whatever, fifth round, somewhere in that area, mid mid rounds, they you look for another guy that's more of a third down speedy kind of guy. I don't think they're going to invest a lot of assets. Two third round picks in a row. It's pretty significant assets. And if you just move on from Singletary, I don't know where his draft value or, you know, or his trade value is, but I mean, you're not going to move on from him. You're not just going to cut him. Um, I think you got to roll with them. I think they believe that if they can tweak some of the things of the scheme and bring back Feliciano and fix the offensive line and, and the problems in the scheme and the running game, that I think they believe that these running backs can be productive. And I'm not totally, I don't totally disagree. I think that both Moss and Singletary can be productive running backs in the NFL. I don't think they're looking for like 
crazy run game. They just want it to produce uh, with consistency. I have been waiting this entire podcast episode to be able to drop a soundbite on you. And it's from The Wire. Shit. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm not saying Singletary is going to get cut. Devin Singletary might be the 2020 and 2019 TJ Eldon. He'll be that third guy. I'm telling you now. Moss will be either 1B or 2, depending on what they do. They're going to do something. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I know it. All right. I know it's going to happen. I'm very confident of that. Najee Harris at 30. Give it to me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're, you know what? Not a lot of people have said that. A lot of people would be pissed off if they took a running back in the first round. Oh, whatever. People I don't are, get why. People are running too rigid. matter. You know why? If people get too rigid in their beliefs of how things should work, there's too much variety and variables in the NFL to look at some chart or some article of say that people said, oh, this value is dumb. You know what? The Bills are a Super Bowl contending team. We talked about a lot of the holes they have and stuff like that, but you're they're a Super Bowl contending team. If you have the chance to get the best player that at pick 30 that's left by a lot, a guy that probably should be picked in the teens, just you take that guy and then you deal with the problem of having too many good players. Uh, I, I don't understand the, I get it. If you're a team that's looking to rebuild, you're not going to rebuild around a running back, you know, like an Ezekiel Elliott or a Saquon Barkley. They're great talents. You're not going to build your team around them. But when you already have your franchise quarterback, if you get a weapon, dude, a first round weapon, I think you do it every time. Yeah, for sure. And in all due respect to my buddy, Bruce Nolan, he's got the book of Bruce. And when it comes to running backs, his rules are don't draft one in the first round. And don't give a running back a, a big second contract. The the second point I could agree with, the first point, you're wrong, Bruce. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Harris is there at 30 and the Bills don't take him, I'm going to be pissed off. Unless There's they go get somebody like Aaron Jones. 30th and 10th, in my opinion. I, I think True. we put too much on just yeah. the first round as a whole. But when you scout, uh, and I talk to people that really do grading and scouting, every year they'll only have like 10 to maybe 20 guys that they have graded as first round talent. Like it's not just because the guys drafted in the first round doesn't mean that he's first round talent, right? Like there's a big difference between the top half of the NFL draft and then the second, you know, half of the first round. There's a big drop off in the number of guys labeled first rounders. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if the bills are picking 30 to me, anything is on the board. Now, if you're picking 15th and you got to replace uh, a Milano or Daryl Williams and you're doing it through the draft, sure. At 15, you're, you got a really good chance of getting a good day one starting yeah, the best one available, tackle, right? a, yeah. good, a good day one linebacker. You might, you might have some reason to be pissed off if you're like, well, why are you taking a running back? You got Singletary, you got Moss. I get that. But at 30 or anything around that, 22, 23 or higher, and Harris is there, I'd be really annoyed if they didn't take him. Assuming that they don't address it in free agency, which they probably won't because of the stuff that they got to take care of. Uh, let's jump around to a couple topics here and we'll do these a lot more quickly. NFL stuff, not necessarily Bill's stuff. Deshaun Watson obviously remains the, the talk of the league where he ends up. This is a guessing game, obviously, but where do you think he ends up? Because obviously there's a lot of teams in play. Miami, the Jets, Frisco, Denver. That's the ones that we hear about the most. I'm sure there's other teams as well, but you had to take a guess right now. And again, that's what we're doing at the end of the day. Uh, where do you think he goes? I hope he goes to the NFC. And I I want him to end up with the Bears. 
my brother's a diehard Bears fan, and he wanted him so bad in that draft, and they traded up for Mitch Trubisky instead. Uh, but I think that if you put Deshaun Watson on the Bears the last couple of years, that team is probably dominating in the NFC. I think they're probably up there in the top three teams in the NFC uh, with Deshaun Watson. There, I think you could probably say the same thing maybe about San Francisco. I think if you added him to San Francisco, that they could be the top three team in the NFL. Uh, I think it's probably more likely that he ends up on, unfortunately, uh, if he moves, which I think he will, I think he ends up on one of these two teams in our division here. I think Miami probably makes the most sense. They've got space. They've got picks. They've got a team that's fairly well put together. I think they have got a young quarterback too. too. And they, and they got a young quarterback who was a top, what, top five pick one year before. Yeah, yeah. If they trade for Deshaun Watson, but they don't want Tua anymore. So right. Miami's yeah. definitely got the, in terms of assets, in terms of players, like you said, the quarterback, the money, uh, the draft capital. They own the third pick, which ironically is Houston's, plus the 18th. Miami's got like four picks in the top 40. So yeah, yeah if they're willing, if Miami's all in for Watson, and I'm sure Houston, if all things are equal, probably don't want to trade him. Within the conference, certainly not within the division. That's why I wouldn't even think about Indy, no matter how bad they want them. But in the conference, if Miami's package is going to be significantly better than a Frisco's or a Chicago's or a Washington's, they'd be doing themselves a disservice to not get the best haul back. So I'm going to guess Miami as well. Now, sticking with quarterbacks and in that division, next topic. Do you think the Jets should stick with Sam Darnold? Or do you think they should look to trade him and draft a new quarterback and start over with that second pick. I think they're legitimately in. Watson had put out that he didn't want to play for New York, but I think they're going to make a push still to the Texans. That's sure. Going to be, okay, on let's par. say they don't get him though, but you're, you're right. And they very well could get Watson. Right. Let's just say they don't though. They don't. If okay. They don't get him. Should they keep Darnold or should they trade him and start over with a new coach and uh, draft a, a guy at two, which, I don't know, maybe Fields. There's a couple of guys. It ain't going to be Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but right. draft QB at two or keep Darnold. I think at this point for both sides, it's best for Darnold to get a shot somewhere else. I don't know that the redemption story for Sam Darnold is to stay with the Jets. I think he probably needs another opportunity, and they could probably get something decent for him. You're seeing what the QB market is in trade. They could probably use the pick they have uh, on a future quarterback and address needs still with over the next couple of years with a nice haul for Darnold I think I think that he's shown enough uh, both as a college prospect and in the NFL he's had a weird career we talk about you know sometimes it matters where you get drafted I think he's a guy that suffered from where he was drafted I think he could be a much better quarterback in this draft class if he wasn't with the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL or his term here playing so I think he's a guy that will have a lot of interest if he becomes available but I, I don't it's hard with a new regime. It's very few regimes come in and one, keep a guy. And if they do keep that guy, that that guy now all of a sudden becomes a successful NFL quarterback. I can't think of any off the top of my head where guys can really come in and turn that part of a team around. So I think Darnold's probably on his way out from the jets and it's a good time to move on and take a quarterback when you have a whole new staff. So, or try to trade for one of these other names that we're hearing might be available at some point. He's never gotten a fair shake in New York, I feel like. I think he's more talented and a better quarterback than uh, the results that we've seen, which not really as much on him. I think it's more of an organizational failure than Sam Darnold being a bust, which unfortunately, 
I think people are starting to think that, and I don't think it's true. I agree. If with he you, goes by the way. to the I Steelers, think I think that that boosts there. I, I think. It's I think they're better with Sam Darnold than they are with Ben Roethlisberger. I, I agree. Yeah, so I think it's a, I think it's best. I think a fresh start would be good for both um, sides. I, again, I still like him. And another thing too, fans. If he stays in New York, just imagine the first time he has a bad half. Fans are going to turn on him so fast. Uh, one bad game, one bad half. Uh, that'll be it. By the way, this draft, and we'll talk about that closer to the draft. But I mean, you're talking. So you got the Jags, the Jets. Um, Miami at three, which they could do a lot with that pick if they don't get Deshaun Watson. Um, Atlanta at four. And again, beyond beyond Trevor Lawrence, you got Zach Wilson, you got Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Dude, you're going to see some quarterbacks go really high in this draft, whether they deserve to or not, because there's just so many quarterback needy teams, which kind of goes to the next topic here. I'm going to run off some names and how many of these guys do you think will be the quarterback for their team next season? Uh, you got Big Ben with Pittsburgh. You got Matt Ryan with Atlanta. You got Jimmy G with Frisco. Uh, you got Derek Carr with the Raiders. We've heard some rumors about him. Drew Locke with Denver. It's pretty widely known that Denver's interested in Deshaun Watson. They, they got a pretty high pick. So you look at those guys. Um, how many think are going to be back? Because I'm looking at this list and like I don't see a lot. This is going to be like one of those unprecedented uh Years with movement for quarterbacks this offseason is going to be nuts. I think it could be a little nuts. I I still don't know. I have this like kind of gut feeling. You know, like right before the NBA trade deadline, there's all these crazy, uh, every team shifting, power conferences mm-hmm. move around and stuff, and then nothing really happens. Uh, come trade deadline, you see a couple mid mid vet uh, contracts move around. I can see. If you had to tell me those guys, I think Big Ben stays. I think the Steelers should move on from him. I think he is probably hurting their case at this point uh, to be a Super Bowl. Don't, don't, don't they got to do a new deal? But don't they got to do some kind of restructure or something? The guys are going to be like $41 million against the cap if they don't do something. I'm sure they'll come up with something. I think Big Ben, his market is to stay either. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go somewhere else in free agency and do what Tom Brady did. Here, uh, he's just not that type of quarterback late in his career. I think his best bet is to stay exactly where he is, even if that's taking less money or restructuring or whatever. I think either that or retiring. Uh, I think those are really his options. So I think he's either with Pittsburgh or he's out of the league, in my opinion. I think Drew Locke stays. I don't think they're going to be able to get Watson. I think he stays and they sell that to their fan base that maybe he can be the next Josh Allen, that he showed enough traits, uh, things like that. I think Matt Ryan also stays. Um, unless a team like the Patriots comes very aggressively to get Matt Ryan, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of suitors for him. I think maybe you get catch a team that's desperate, but I've heard Frisco could be because of Shanahan. Shanahan, Frisco, you might be able to do something there. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that happening, but I think he stays put. I, I don't think he's the hottest asset at quarterback. I think I think he's more of a fantasy quarterback, in my opinion. He puts up great numbers because he has probably the best, most talented wide receiver in the NFL, and they're, they've played down for the last four years. Uh, they're always behind, so they are passing a ton. I think a lot of – when people look at Matt Ryan's stats in comparison to other quarterbacks, they just see the numbers and think, man, this guy must be you know, elite. And I'm not sure that he is. I don't think he has that talent to lead a team. So 
Uh, anyways, I don't think he's a huge asset. I think both Jimmy G and Carr are guys that teams are going to talk themselves into sort of that Tyrod Taylor mold of a guy that can just come in and I could see like a Chicago ending up with Carr or Jimmy G just don't screw this up, right? Just come in and, and drive the boat and and don't screw it up. The defense is going to win the games. And we if we sneak into the playoffs, maybe we can be good. Uh, I could see teams going after guys like that, that probably shouldn't command huge assets or, or money to acquire. And that you feel like maybe they can manage the game just enough to win you 10, 11 games in the NFL. You know, <laughs> I already mentioned four rookie quarterbacks who are going to go high in the draft. And everyone I just mentioned, I think you would agree that maybe they're at least on shaky ground. So you got Pittsburgh with Big Ben. You got Atlanta with Matt Ryan, Frisco with Jimmy G, Raiders with Carr, Denver with Locke. Um, again, I, agree. I don't think any of them are locks to be back. Some maybe more likely than others. And by the way, so all those teams potentially could be in the market for a quarterback if they're going to get rid of theirs. And I didn't even mention the Carolina Panthers with sure. Bridgewater. That's shaky. Uh, New England. And by the way, I'm assuming that these teams don't end up with Deshaun Watson, but New England. I think Cousins, they're trying to get out on Cousins and Minnesota. Yeah. Um, Houston, if they trade Deshaun Watson, and if it's not to Miami, they're going to need a quarterback. So Houston, you can include on that list. The Jets, if they do move on from Darnold, again, they got the second pick though. Um, the Saints, although they're probably going to go turn the keys over to Jameis Winston this offseason. Um, and all these quarterbacks, I'm going to, I didn't even mention them, but maybe the league has not forgotten about Trubinsky. Maybe he's going to surface somewhere and get another opportunity, which again, my point is there's so many quarterbacks, so many teams out there. This is a separate conversation for another time, but you and I were talking off the record here while we weren't taping about the Bills and backup quarterback. And what would happen if Josh Allen were to get injured? I think we could have a fascinating conversation that one of these guys like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Mitch Trubinsky, somebody like that, might be available and talent-wise a significant upgrade from a Matt Barkley. They might be able to get him in a situation like the Saints did last year with Winston for only, what, maybe two to three million tops, which is basically what they paid Barkley anyway. So this could play to the Bills' advantage, even though the Bills are set at quarterback for sure. This could play to their advantage because one or two of these veterans might be looking to just stay in the NFL another year. You know what I'm saying? So maybe right. the Bills could be a, a beneficiary of that. All right, I got two more here for you. One of them's got nothing to do with football. Uh, Jessie Pagula. So she's reached the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. She's playing. This is dropping Tuesday morning. So she's playing tonight. This is uh, kind of a bitch. You know, so we were, we were kind of were homers earlier. And now I know some people are going to say haters or whatever, but you know, so mainstream media and Bill's Mafia are excited about this. And, you know, I kind of, I am as well. Seen a little bit of backlash though from like non-Terry Bagula fans and Kim Bagula fans on Twitter, especially Sabres fans who hate them. Um, I don't side with fans for likes and for follows. I never have. And it's cost me a lot of followers and listeners at times, I'm sure, but it's just not how I am. But here's the thing. I don't see any harm in being happy for her and following her and becoming a fan. But I see a lot of people on Twitter bitching about it because she's Bagula's daughter. I don't know. What's your take on that? Um, you're, you're not on Twitter as much as me, but trying there enough. So I'm sure you see some stuff. Oh, what's your thoughts on her? Yeah. Get in the right, get into where she's gotten into. I think it's pretty cool, but a lot of people are hating on it. I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. So I pre- preface this with, I don't give a shit about 
Chessie Pagula and what she does in her life. Like, I just don't, care. I don't care about sure. tennis. I, I don't care about the Pagula's kids or any of that stuff. Um, with that said, I think that people take it too far on both sides. I think people, there's a segment of the Bills fans that are haters and they're going to hate on everything Tim and Carrie, or uh, yeah, th- that they do, uh, Kim and Terry do. I, I'm not there. I'll shit on them when they do stupid a-hole billionaire things. I'm all there. I'll line up and tweet negatively about them. I'm not going to crap on every single thing they do. Um, they've done a lot for the city. They've done a lot to keep the bills here. So I am happy to that. I'm not going to kiss their ass, but there's a number, there's a section of the fans that do just kiss their ass and totally just suck up to, to them in every way possible. So I understand where the conflict of Twitter comes in, where the people are constantly seeing everyone just praise every single move they make. And that frustrates them. And they kind of counteract that with some, a whole tweet about that nobody cares about what she does. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think it's cool that somebody associated to my team is having success in something that I know is hard to do, but I don't care about it all. Um, so I'm happy for her. I think that's cool that she's having success and it brings positive attention to the bills and stuff. I'm happy for people that are happy for her, but I don't give a shit uh, about anything that she does. Very fair take. And I'll say this about Bagula too. I'm, I'm happy for her and I don't mind. Like a lot of, uh, like I said, Bill's fans. I know Thurman Thomas's wife was really ecstatic and enthusiastic about it on Twitter. I just think that's cool. Good for them. I'm a, and by the way, it's not like she's some young and up. But the Thomases know the Pagulas. That's different too. Sure. Like the Thomases are friends with the Pagula family. Agreed. And you know what? You don't have to give a shit. Like you don't give a shit. And that's perfectly cool. I got no issue with that. But why hate on her? I don't, sure. even if you hate her parents, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're going to hate on her. I just think that's pushing it a little bit too far. Totally. Sure. Now, if she was on Twitter if she was on Twitter being annoying and, you know, pissing off Bill's fans with her tweets and stuff like that, that would be Go a different for it. story. Yeah. Plus, yeah. And this isn't exactly. I mean, she minds her business. Has she ever even tweeted? She anything? does. Absolutely. Even... She does. Okay. Eh, I don't know. But anyway, my point was that it's not like she's some young and upcoming prospect you know, dude, she's going to be 27 years old, like in a week that for tennis, right. kind of old. So her window to win sure. might not, this is like her know, chance at least at this level. She's never made it this far. Yeah. This is her crowning moment. Let her have it. You're such a hater. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't care. I side with those people sometimes, man. I do like, uh, every once in a while I'll catch myself on that negative train, uh, with, with the, the same type of accounts that you see kind of spewing that, but every once in a while they go too far, just like the crazy homers go too far too. And I think on this one, it went too like, just let her, like you said, have her moment. I think you nailed it. Sure. Last topic here. We didn't really talk about these, so I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sure you haven't really had a chance to examine this. So here it is. I want you to give me, and we're circling back to the NFL here to finish. Give me one big bold NFL offseason prediction, whether it's a player to that team, something that's going to happen, trade, assigning, something, something bold. And I want that from you again, on the spot, without time to prepare right now. What do you got? Uh, All right. So uh, the first thing that popped into my head is... Maybe it's because my brother's a Bears fan, and I, I go him into this all the time. I think Khalil Mack uh, moves on from Chicago. I think that, 
they try to they're going to come up into some cap troubles here at some point. I think he's got a big deal and maybe they don't feel he's producing the way he should. I think he maybe becomes available in some trade conversations. I don't know. That's just the first thing that popped up in my head without really being able to think about this. Uh, besides the Bills getting J.J. Watt, Richard Sherman, and all the other people that everyone is clamoring for. I think if the Bills do that, that'll be a, a well, bombshell. Khalil's bold. I don't consider J.J. Watt to the Bills bold. Khalil, I, as you no. were talking, I had to go look that shit up. Well, I tell you, if you look at it from this aspect, they really need a quarterback. I mean, everybody knows they're hot for a quarterback right now. Khalil and for, uh, you look at Trump. max numbers. I have no idea how it would work with trading him, but like he's got a cap number of $26 million and he signed for four more years. So I don't know how that would work, but that would be bold. I got a pretty bold one, too. We have not mentioned his name the entire podcast. My big, bold prediction for the NFL offseason is Dak Prescott is going to get traded. Now, they're probably going to tag him again and try to work on a deal. Nearly $38 million will be that price tag for this year. Uh, Dallas owns the 10th pick of the draft. They could probably get a nice haul from him, build that defense. They got a lot of talent on offense. The defense stinks. They got, they're in the upper half of the cap room or uh, cap space around the league. So they can make it work. I, I do. I, I think if they're not going to be able to sign him, put it this way this is the last year that they're going to get Dak Prescott unless they pony up long term. Because if they were to cap him again, or franchise tag him again, after this year, I think his price tag would be like forty or $54 million. That's obviously not going to happen. So it's either tag him now or sign him long-term or you're going to lose him. And I think maybe if he get, if they get, if Dallas gets indication from him that he's not going to sign long-term, now's the time to trade him. We just ran off a whole shitload of quarterbacks, not to mention they have a top 10 pick. Maybe they can get a rookie. Maybe they get a decent stopgap guy for a year or two. They can free up a lot of money, work on that defense. They got a lot of talent on offense. Give them a decent quarterback, better than Andy Dalton. And, uh, you know, they can improve that way. So, again, we're being bold there. You said Khalil Mack. It don't get him more bold than that. So I'm going to go with Dak Prescott getting dealt. I I like that one. That's a sneaky one because I keep hearing about this quarterback carousel uh, that's potentially going to unfold in the offseason. and. Again, I, my brother's a Bears fan. I talked to him a lot about the quarterback position. That's not a name that we've really brought up as an opportunity for a team. But I, I look at a team like the Bears or one of these teams and like, hell, man, if you do have a chance to get him again, you might have to pay good, but maybe not as much as you would have a year ago. Like you, you have an opportunity to get a guy that can put up some big numbers in the NFL. This might be the best opportunity for a team in a long time to get a guy that can play at that level. Yeah. How about a Chicago Bears deal with Dallas? Khalil Mack for <laughs> Dak Prescott. But hold, there you hold, go. Both, uh, Mold our, our bold takes together. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'll tell you what. Next time I have you on, it's going to be all about defensive line and running back because I feel like that's where we have the most animated conversations and probably uh, the most to talk about. But anyway, give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716 Of course, check out Cover One Buffalo podcast he does with Greg Thompson. He do a really good job. You know I love having you on, brother. So as always, thank you very much. Hey, man, I appreciate it, and we'll talk soon. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Aaron Quinn, 
Aaron, of course, co-host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast with Greg Thompson. Always does a great job. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite guests I have on this podcast. Always love chatting with Aaron. So thank you very much, Aaron. Don't forget, coming up on Friday's show, three-year anniversary episode, Tyler Dunn. Very much looking forward to that. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, what are you waiting for? Please go ahead, do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review. Really helps me continue to grow the show. Of course, we're available on all major podcasting platforms out there. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all of them. Talking Buffalo Podcast. And we're also on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Not full-length episodes, but highlights from current and past episodes are up there. Going to have some original content coming very soon. You'll only be able to find it there, nowhere else, not even this podcast. So again, Talking Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm constantly on Twitter. And I mean, when I say constantly, I'm literally always on Twitter. Um, podcasting updates, some promos upcoming guests, clips, sports talk, pop culture talk with fans. It's just, it's my place to be. At Pam Moran Tweet. And again, thank you so much for listening. I really mean that. I know how many good shows there are out there. And when you lock into this one, man, I, I promise you, I say it all the time. I mean it. I don't take it lightly. It's very humbling and I'm very appreciative. So thank you very, very much. Have a good, safe week. And again, I will be back three-year anniversary episode with Tyler Dunn on Friday. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.